Hello and welcome to the West Connect podcast brought to you by the Wesleyan Athletic Advantage A plus program, which helps athletes on and off the field of play. Today I have got Catherine with me. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so before we kind of get into some of the professional um, components of your of your career, which are really interesting, and there's actually a lot of Wesleyan touch points with what you're doing, maybe talk to us a little bit about kind of background, um, how you found yourself at Wesleyan, what your experience was like as a student athlete there, and what your primary focus was on the academic side. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in high school, my main passions were creative writing uh, and specifically around writing for film and television. So I was really passionate about screenplay writing um, and playwriting and went to a number of different programs throughout high school for that. And Wesleyan always came up over and over again as having one of the best film programs in the country um, and same with their creative writing program. So I knew I wanted to study creative writing and not many schools have a creative writing major within their English department. Um, so that was a big draw to Wesleyan for me. And then I also knew I wanted to play lacrosse in college, um, but I did not want to play at the D1 level. I was looking for a school that would kind of let me focus more on the academics um, and then let sports kind of be a guiding part of that that would allow me to make friends and uh, be part of the larger community. So when I went to Wesleyan for my first visit, it kind of all just fell into place. And I'm from Montclair, New Jersey, and a lot of students from Montclair end up at Wesleyan. It's just the very similar school systems and Montclair is a similar town. Um, so it just felt like a natural fit for me and I loved it. And I loved hearing the stories of past Montclair students who had gone there. So um, I studied English when I was at Wesleyan um, with a focused concentration on creative writing, creative nonfiction. And um, I also studied Italian while I was there, studied abroad in Italy, which you know, playing D3, you had the opportunity to do stuff like that. It was an amazing opportunity. Um, and yeah, through the lacrosse program, you know, was able to make my best friends who are still my closest friends today. Um, and it just kind of allowed me to have a really strong starting point on your, on your college career. I think, you know, freshman year can be very nerve wracking and to be able to have like that foundation of friends and a support system right away is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't cover this on the pre-call, but my folks are actually from Montclair. So really? you spent a lot of time there, but it's been a while, but yeah. Uh, or as my mother always reminded me, she's from upper Montclair. Which <laughs> yeah. There is a difference, I'm sure. Um, it, it looks like uh, you based on the resume that you also were pretty active in the summers as well. Can you talk a little bit about some of the internships you did, maybe how you landed them, uh, if you used the Wesleyan Network to get in there and, and what that experience was like? Yeah, so my first few internships were more in like book publishing. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to be in the writing world. So I was trying all different stuff out. I think I did one with Harper Collins that was more of, I was assisting an editor there. So just like reading manuscripts of all of these books that they would get in from people who were submitting them. Um, and that was really cool. I got to see kind of what that process is like to find a story and take it all the way through to the publish. Um, I also did an internship at Golan Harris that was more of like a marketing writing English background. Um, so 
there I got to see more of from a business perspective, how companies work with like writing PR messaging and communications and all that stuff. Um, so I knew after both of those that I didn't want to do either of those things, but it was really, really good to get that experience. And I actually still talk to both hiring managers that were a part of those programs. So the connections are always very, very important. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how those came about, but I, I would imagine they came through knowing somebody at Westland because I kind of only went through that network when I was looking for careers. Yeah. And we talk about this a lot with other people, you know, summer internships and informational interviews, figuring out what you don't want to do is just as useful as figuring out kind of where your passions might lie, because that's a good use of, you know, two or three months or, you know, an hour long conversation to understand exactly what that world looks like, what it would look like day to day if you were to do it. And if it's not a good fit, aim, shoot, and move on. There's a lot of other things you can do in the world. So, Yeah, exactly. And I think when you're an intern, intern, you kind of get thrown in there, like the bottom of the totem pole. So you learn exactly what it's like to, to be there. It's not like they're putting on a show. It's not all fancy and glamorous. So you get to see really quickly, okay, this is what every day would be like. And you either love it or you don't. Yeah. And in addition to being on the lacrosse team, you were also a senior interviewer and worked within the social media department at, at Wesleyan, which... I'm so old, we didn't even have social media when I was there. So maybe for uh, some of the younger people who are contemplating uh, being an interviewer, working within the school itself, could you tell us a little about what that experience was like? That was probably my favorite experience at Wesleyan, being a senior interviewer. Um, it was a really long application process. And, you know, it's it was one of those things that I think everyone kind of strives for. It was my goal when I was a senior to, to do that. So I was so grateful and felt very lucky when I got accepted. Um, and I feel like that program really teaches you why Wesleyan is such an amazing place because you talk to students all over the world on a daily basis who want to go to the school and who are incredibly qualified. And you just see like, wow, you know, these people are amazing. They have incredible stories. Um, and you get to be part of that process of like crafting the next generation of Wesleyan. Uh, it was also the first time I got to have experience speaking on panels and um, leading tours and speaking to families who were coming to campus to, to see what it was like. So I got much more comfortable during that with public speaking, um, which is something that I struggled with. So it was a really good growing opportunity for me as well. That's great. And um, maybe touch on the, uh, the social media work you did yeah. as well within the school. Yeah, so I think I was the first social media manager ever for the writing department. I, it was, you know, companies and organizations and schools were just starting to get on Twitter for the first time. So our writing department was looking to just have a place where they could showcase people's work and um, promote events and that sort of thing. So I had a passion for social media already, and I was very active in the writing department, and I was looking for kind of some volunteer work to do on campus. So I raised my hand and um, essentially would just manage the social media accounts of the writing department. So it was just working closely with the professors and students to highlight what people were doing, uh, maybe share some of the best stories that week that people had written, um, promote some events that were coming up, whether we had authors speaking on campus or something like that, or a student was reading from their thesis one night. Uh, so that was really fun. Little did I know then that it was kind of foreshadowing what I was going to do with my career. I had no idea at the time, but I always look back on that as like, you know, I should have known then that I was really passionate about that and it was going to somehow come back into my career. Yeah, and that's exactly where I want to take the conversation next is segue into your ability to seemingly take some of this um, 
maybe old industry style publishing experience as an intern, and then parlay that with some of the skills you learned at Wesleyan with the social media group into your first kind of quote unquote real job. Can you talk us about how you landed uh, where you did and, and maybe the steps you took to get that first gig? Yeah, so um, I'll start at senior year when I started looking for a job. I think that uh, a lot of my friends in, in my circle of friends, I had a lot of friends who were finance majors or on the pre-med track. Um, and people in finance tend to get hired very early on, like even in their junior year. Um, and then people who are on the pre-med track tend to have a more clear path of what they want to do and they know where they want to go. So most people that I surrounded myself with kind of had their plan very set in stone before I did. Um, media and journalism jobs for anyone that's in creative writing out there or looking to get into news and media, those kinds of jobs often don't hire until like the May of your senior year. So a month before you graduate because they, they want to fill those spots immediately. So they don't start interviewing you until a month before you graduate or so. Um, so that was something that I had to learn. It was new for me and it was very intimidating and nerve wracking to like be going into May and not have a job yet. Um, and like I had said earlier, I wasn't 100% set on what I wanted to do either. So I ended up kind of taking two tracks. I applied to journalism schools for graduate programs um, because I had heard that, you know, if you want to get hired in journalism, you have to go to grad school. And then I also just ended up applying to a bunch of jobs in at news organizations. And I did a mixture of fellowships and internship programs and full-time positions, just kind of doing as much as possible and putting my name out there as much as possible. So I ended up getting um, kind of the best of both worlds. I was accepted to Columbia Journalism School, and then I also was offered a fellowship at the Huffington Post. Um, and I, it was a very hard decision. I thought long and hard about this with my family and friends. Um, I think ultimately I decided to take the job at HuffPost because I thought to myself, you know, I can either go to grad school for two more years just to get hired at a place like HuffPost, or, or I could just skip that step and go right to the job. And for me, I wasn't big on going to any more school. I just wanted to get right into the workforce and start writing. So um, I said, I'll skip the school part and kind of just go start being a journalist. Um, so I started at HuffPost right after graduation as a business fellow. And I had never taken a business class in my entire life. Um, didn't take anything on econ or anything like that at Wesleyan. So uh, it was very new to me, but it's all part of kind of my, what I'm very big on, which is just grasping any opportunities that come your way. Um, and I would just say, you know, definitely don't block out fellowships and internships from your job search because it's a really, really great way to get your foot in the door at your favorite company. Um, if you maybe are not as qualified yet for the full-time position, it's also cheaper for the companies to hire you as an intern or fellow first. And then you kind of like prove your worth and hopefully get hired full-time, which is what happened to me. I, I didn't have the right experience to be a reporter yet at the HuffPost. Um, that's just the facts. So, you know, I was able to get my foot in the door, gain that experience, work really hard. And then after six months, um, they pulled me on full-time as the media reporter. And how did you leverage some of the skills that you learned both uh, as an athlete at school, but also some of these internship experiences or the work you did as an interviewer in the social media group at Wesleyan to kind of transition from that fellowship program into the, into the full-time position? And what did that networking process look like for you? Yeah. So um, I think first of all, to succeed at the Huffington Post or at any digital media company, you have to 
be very social savvy and just like understand the internet and how it works. Um, and so that experience that I got being the social media director at Wesleyan was critical to just knowing how those things work right away. Um, I also, through my internship at Bolin Harris and Harper Collins, I understood how team structures work. So it was just easier for me to, you know, work with my colleagues. Uh, I understood the value of collaboration and how much group work companies really value. Um, I understood how important it was to work very closely with my manager and, and my boss. Um, and I understood that, you know, when you're, no one's gonna come to you and, and just hand an opportunity to you. You really have to kind of take what you want and go after it and take initiative. I learned that at my internships for sure because there were often dozens of interns. And so to really stand out, you had to just go for it and be proactive. Um, and that's kind of fundamental to who I am in my career every day. Um, and I tell that to my team now all the time too, oftentimes, people come to me and they say like, okay, what's next for me? I've been doing this for two years on board. Like I want, I want to do something new. And uh, it's not my job to tell you what you should do next. I mean, you really have to just figure out what you're passionate about and work really hard at it and just go for it. So I think that certainly helped me at HuffPost for sure. Um, I, I remember I told you earlier that it was kind of a unique experience there. Um, very early on, my boss got fired and then my other boss quit. And then the next guy in line kind of joined another group. So very suddenly within like the span of one year, I was promoted to the head media editor of the media vertical, um, 24 years old, insanely, feeling insanely underqualified, kind of running an entire vertical, you know, designing the page, selecting what stories we're gonna cover, writing stories, um, finding photos. So it was all um, kind of this crazy, like, I can't do this, this is, I'm not ready for this yet. Um, but kind of remembering the back of my head, like these are the kinds of opportunities that you have to just say yes to and just go with them because they can lead to some of the best things. So to, to dig in there a little bit more and un unpack what you were saying, it, it sounds a lot like imposter syndrome, which I know is extremely relevant today for women in the workforce. Can you discuss a little bit about how you work through that and how maybe you talk to younger women who are entering in the workforce about that feeling and that sensation that seems to be, you know, uh, prevalent within that group? So I have to be honest, I feel like I still struggle with imposter syndrome. I don't think I've gotten over it ever. From that first day at HuffPost, you know, being so young, running a vertical on my own, waking up every day and being like, someone's going to figure me out. This is, you know, I can't do this, that this is crazy. Um, and, you know, but no one did figure me out and months and then years went by and now, you know, I have several other jobs and every day I still kind of wake up and I'm like, I don't think that I, I, I'm not qualified for this. I can't do this. You know, one of my greatest career achievements um, this last year was getting named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. And that was like, it should have been the most exciting moment of my life, but instead I just felt like a total fraud and was like making sure that it didn't get out there because there's no way this could be true. Um, so it's a voice that never goes away. And I do think though, I've learned to control it the best by just kind of understanding and learning over time that everyone feels this way. Um, I didn't even know there was a name for it until recently. You know, now everyone knows what imposter syndrome is, but for so long, it was just this thing that I felt. I didn't know anyone else felt it. But now, you know, people talk about it a lot more and you kind of become aware that everyone feels this way and everybody kind of feels like they're just faking until they make it. Um, and the people who are most successful are the ones that can kind of overcome that voice in their head and still speak up. Um, and 
you know, I had to kind of tell myself that um, if I wasn't going to speak up, then somebody else was, and then they would share their idea. And then we would just go with that person's idea. And that's kind of how, you know, meetings at big companies work. It's like, whoever has the idea, you kind of go with that one first. So um, when you understand that everyone kind of feels out of place and is feeling that, that sense of not feeling like they're qualified to be there, um, I think it's just easier to, to combat. Yeah, really helpful. And I think um, to echo your comment earlier, um, I've been in the workforce a long time and then I still have days where I wake up thinking there's no way that I have in 15 employees and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself today. Yeah. And it's, it's more common than you think. So just keep working hard and, um, you know, trying to do your best you can. Uh, maybe let's transition into kind of your, your current firm. What did that look like? Um, obviously, you were doing extremely well at HuffPost. It had gained a lot of responsibility very quickly in the leadership position in a new vertical. Um, how did the, the opportunity at Bloomberg present itself? And how did you navigate that choice of whether to stay or go? Yeah. So it's an interesting story. Um, <clears throat> I So after doing the, the media vertical for a while at HuffPost, I was not um, being offered any kind of promotion or raise whatsoever. And so uh, very early on, I learned about like, sometimes you just don't get paid for what you're doing. And sometimes you have to really fight for what you're worth. And it was kind of the first time I started having conversations with some female mentors of mine about the negotiation process and, you know, doing your market research and figuring out what other people in your same positions are being paid and are you being underpaid? Are you being paid what you are actually worth? Um, and so I kind of just determined that I, I felt like I could find a job that would value my work more. Um, I had always wanted to work at Bloomberg. It seemed like a dream company. So I just started applying to a bunch of reporting jobs there. Didn't hear back on any of them, probably because I had no reporting experience. I was more of an editor at that point. Um, but then as luck would have it, Huffington Post needed someone to cover a big Bloomberg event. And um, I volunteered. It was one of their big Bloomberg philanthropy events. So I volunteered to cover it. Uh, and it was a big flashy event at the Museum of Natural History where I got to dress up and eat all this fancy food and, and sit with celebrities. So it seemed worth it. Um, and sitting next to me at the table I was at was a Bloomberg news editor. And we ended up hitting it off and just having a casual conversation. And that was kind of my first in, it was my first connection that I made that eventually when a job opened up that I was more qualified for, um, led to that editor thinking of me and, and reaching out to see if I was interested. So um, that's kind of how it all started. I even was able to meet Mike Bloomberg that night and I have a picture of me standing next to him and I look back at that photo a lot now and think like, it all happened because I grabbed that one opportunity that didn't seem consequential at all at the time, but you just never know. Um, so this, the role at Bloomberg is, uh, what at the time was for a senior social media editor. Um, Bloomberg, it was about 2015, but Bloomberg was really far behind in the social media space. They needed someone to come up and kind of launch their accounts, um, things like Twitter and Facebook, um, and grow their social media presence. So that's what I went there to do. It was a total flip from what I was doing at HuffPost. You know, I was no longer going to be writing anymore. I wasn't going to be editing. Um, I wasn't going to be on like the content creation side anymore. I was going to be more on taking that content and putting it onto social media in different ways. So it was definitely a big decision for me. And I, I, it's like, you know, still to this day, I think I know now I made the right decision, but I still ask myself like that. It was such a big pivot in my career to go from more of like the writing and editing route into the social media world. 
Um, but again, it was just, it felt to me like an opportunity to build something and launch something from, from scratch. And it seemed like a one of a kind opportunity that I just had to go for. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's kind of this Greek chorus of, of themes that repeat themselves in your narrative, right? Being proactive, taking a little bit of risk, going outside of your comfort zone, maintaining your professional relationship building, your networking, and it can lead to maybe sometimes some, some scary opportunities because they're bigger than what you think. But if you keep working hard and pushing through, it can lead to even bigger opportunities. Exactly. Um, and so uh, maybe we'll transition into a little bit more of an informational interview. What does your, your current role at Bloomberg look like today? What does the day-to-day -day look like in terms of your responsibilities? Um, and you know, where do you think kind of that next step in your career is? Yeah, I, I would love to talk about this because I actually am thinking we have our year-end reviews um, in January, and it's a time for you to reflect with your manager kind of about where you want to, where you see yourself going next. So I've been having this conversation with myself internally for a few weeks now. Um, but just to start with what I'm doing right now, so I'm currently the head of social and audience development for Bloomberg Quick Take. So Quick Take launched in 2018, and it is a 24/7 streaming global news network um, and essentially we launched it to create news for the next generation like our mission was to really reinvent how you get your news and to turn the cable news model on its head um, so as of november we have a new streaming network that you can watch on places like samsung apple tv Android TV, Roku, wherever you get your streaming, you can watch the Quick Take app. Um, and we offer live coverage as well as shows and mini documentaries on topics like business and tech and politics. Um, and we have a massive presence on social media as well. So that's kind of where I come in. We, we started on social media and then we launched the streaming network. Uh, and so I sort of built this massive social presence across Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, anywhere you can think of. Um, we also have a newsletter and we had a podcast. So my job is to make sure that we're reaching the largest audience possible and getting into as many people's news feeds as we can all over the world. Um, so I, I study you know, how the social media algorithms work. I study how people in Japan get their news versus how people in um, London get their news. So I, I specifically look at, you know, how different audiences globally are consuming news, what platforms they're on, what content they engage with most. And then I go back to our editorial team and say, you know, this is what's doing well. Um, we should do more of this or we should do less of this. So it's really fun to be able to kind of work with a team of video and, and content creators um, and help them kind of package their stories that they want to tell in a way that's going to be the most engaging on social media so that when you see it on your Twitter feed, you're more likely to click on it or watch it or share it with your friends. It's a cool job and I'm a huge Bloomberg fan. So keep up the good work. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we didn't really touch on it, but what do you think kind of the next step for you looks like? You've been you know, having these internal discussions, I'm sure in your own head and with your um, you know, direct report, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, one thing that my boss nailed into my head from like day one of, so when I joined Quick Take, I was able to build my own team. Um, and so I built a team of about 13 news editors around the world. Um, and one thing that she nailed, my boss nailed into my head very early was you have to pick your successor. You have to like, 
tomorrow, tell me who your number two is. And I was like, I just got this job. I don't want anyone to take my place. But she was very big on, and now it totally makes sense to me. Like, there's no way that I can move up and develop unless I bring people underneath me up as well. Um, and so it was kind of my first encounter with like understanding why it is just so important to support your colleagues um, and especially your female colleagues from my perspective. So um, one of my biggest goals this year is to finally promote um, a woman on my team who's extremely talented and kind of have her be in my current position so that I can now take on um, kind of the more strategic work that I've been wanting to work on. So my uh, personal career goals now, I've, I've spent years on the editorial side of things, creating the content. And I'm really now passionate about moving more onto the business and marketing side of things and seeing how we actually sell this content that we make to advertisers um, and to different platforms. I feel like now that I have so much experience on the editorial side of things, I can be a huge asset when we're having conversations with different clients, um, kind of trying to sell our information and get our video content out there to a, a much larger audience in, in some really cool ways. So that's kind of my, my big goal for 2021. Um, and I'm excited to work more on that. Well, kudos. Um, I'm excited to see kind of what your next step looks like. And before we get into some kind of maybe some pearls of wisdom that you could offer up, could you talk a little bit more about all the work you do to, you mentioned kind of support female colleagues, but just advance women in the workplace in general and, and elevate their voices and their stories? Yeah, definitely. So um, a, a few things. One, I'll go back to, I mentioned I built a team at Quick Take and I had the opportunity to do that all on my own. And it probably took me months longer to build my team than anyone else because I was very diligent about uh, creating a very diverse team um, and a largely female team. So it just meant reading more resumes, interviewing more people, making sure that I had as many um, <clears throat> you know, faces coming into the door as I possibly could to, to build the most talented team. Um, but in the end, it's single-handedly been the most important thing to our success because we have people on the team now from all different places who speak all different languages, who come from all different backgrounds. And so when we're telling stories, we have every shared experience. We have all different perspectives that just allow us to make sure we're telling the best story and that we're telling the true and authentic story. Um, it also allows us to have difficult conversations as a team and to do it effectively. So um, it's, it's just been great. And I would encourage anyone who has the opportunity to hire new people um, to make that their number one priority for sure. I also, um, I, I lead the Bloomberg women's community at Bloomberg. So I've been doing it for two years now and essentially I'm responsible for bringing women together all across the company, organizing events and lunch and learns and you know, putting together resources to help empower women and help lift up women at Bloomberg. So for example, this year we launched a mentorship program that matched women at the company who had been there for about three to five years with senior level women who had been there for 15 plus years. Um, and, you know, just really letting people know who are new to the company, like we're invested in you, we believe in you, and we wanna help you grow and succeed. And that's really, really important. Um, I've also made it a goal of, of the Bloomberg Women's Community to make sure that all of our events are inclusive and have diverse representation. Um, so, you know, that does not only mean having people of color, white people, black people, everyone on stage, but it also means um, when we're at a women's event, sometimes we just hear women talk about women's issues. So it's like, you know, we're, 
let's say Bloomberg is hosting an event and it's hosted by the Bloomberg women's community. And we're going to talk about how women can, you know, negotiate for a better salary. But what I really wanted to just hear was like regular issues, but just have women talk about them. So engineering, tech, finance, all the same things that we go to usual panels for, but instead of seeing a stage full of men, just see a stage full of women talking about those same things. Um, and so that was a big initiative of ours too, that we've been dealing with a lot this year and that's been going very well. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is I, I launched my own program in 2018 outside of work. Um, it's called Power Moves. It, the idea kind of came to me one day when I was on a run, actually thinking about how I wanted to get more into fitness again after leaving Wesleyan. I didn't have anything that really motivated me anymore. Um, and I thought, how cool would it be to bring together a group of, you know, 30 or so success-oriented women, um, thought leaders, uh, team leaders, managers, authors, uh, journalists, um, financial advisors, anyone out there who's kind of interested in female empowerment and career development, bring them together and we could do like a little workout together and then sweat a little bit and use those endorphins to then have a really meaningful and raw conversation about things like, you know, how to ask for a raise, how to negotiate, how to know your worth, how to speak up in a male dominated industry. Um, and so that's what we started to do. So once a month, we, I would have about 30 women come together and we would work out and then we would um, sit down for a speaker series where we'd invite three high powered CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, um, all women who would share their stories with the group. And then we would open up it up to a big discussion and it would turn into one of the most amazing conversations ever. And we would all walk away feeling so inspired and empowered. Um, and it led to a lot of really cool networking opportunities as well. Someone even got hired by one of the women that was there. One woman was a startup founder and um, her startup got funded by another woman that was there. So a lot of really cool connections came out of that. Um, and I'm excited to keep going with that in 2021. I love hearing bringing the Wesleyan ethos of you know, diversity and all voices heard to the Bloomberg culture. I love hearing about bringing kind of your athletic background into <laughs> combining it with networking. That you know is just terrific to hear. And you know, keep doing what you're doing. It sounds like it's awesome. Um, as we wind up here, if you were going to go back and talk to yourself as a freshman or a senior, or if there's somebody who is entering the workforce, obviously it's a very challenging time period. Um, the seniors right now um, are going to be home for like four or five months. And so, you know, um, any pearls of wisdom or kind of best practices about relationship building, networking, leveraging the affinity groups that you were part of at Wesleyan, um, any, any thoughts there that you could impart to the folks listening? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I said when I spoke to the women's lacrosse team that I think really stuck with them was just um, the idea of, you know, knowing how to negotiate. Uh, and it's something that I like to speak to when I speak to young women, because when I left college, I was just shocked by how many things you encounter in the real world that you're completely unprepared for. Um, so many big things that will define your career and your life that they don't teach you in school, like negotiating like asking for a raise, um, like having tough conversations with your manager. And all these things are so critical to your success. Um, and I just feel like you're completely blindsided when they happen. And I think 
definitely that happened to me at, at HuffPost. I for sure got off to a slow start financially because I don't think that I knew how to properly negotiate there. And it wasn't until I went to Bloomberg and um, met my now boss, who was a female mentor at the time, um, who just really instilled that in me of like, you know, you have to fight for what you're worth and you have to make sure that you're being paid equally to your male colleagues and um, you have to speak up for yourself. And so that, that's always just been one of my kind of biggest talking points is to make sure that when you go into conversations, even if it's with your first boss at your first job or internship out of college, just making sure that you're prepared to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, Cause it can be scary and it can be confusing. And so I guess my best advice for that would just be to uh, do your research always, even when you're a senior at college and you're looking for your first job that's when you get your first salary. So you wanna make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and it's the best salary you can get. Um, so making sure that you're you know, understanding what people in that same job are paid across industries, um, you know, understanding what other graduates last year, what their starting salaries were, what, um, you know, what people right above that role or right underneath that role are being paid and kind of understanding what the market value of that job is and what your worth is as a Wesleyan student, which is very large. Um, and then just making sure that you are fighting for yourself and fighting for what you're worth. And that's where to reinforce that, that's where the, the networking and the relationship building and having mentors on the front end can really help let you know what the market will bear for your work. And always maintaining those relationships because that way you get a sense of, what this firm is doing or that firm is doing. And, and unless you maintain them, you're in a little bit of a void and you're flying blind when you're trying to negotiate because you don't know what market rate is. You don't know what your counterpart at XYZ firm is getting paid or what their comp package looks like. So if anything else, you want to maintain your network and your relationship building because I truly do believe I agree with you. It will improve your compensation throughout your professional career. Yeah, and, and that was a big thing in power moves in the organization that I started, uh, we would talk about that. We would just like go around have people say their salary out loud. And it sounds so crazy, but it's like, why don't we do that? Um, and it, you know, one by one people would say, and it would empower the next person. Like, wait a minute, I'm doing basically the same thing and I'm getting completely underpaid. Um, and you know, we actually built a spreadsheet where people would just start entering in how many years they've been in the industry, what their job title is, their level of experience and what their salary is. And we started sharing it around to all different women all across the city. And it's become this massive platform now that, um, you know, it's kind of a resource people. If you're going into a salary negotiation, you can look at that. And then you have real proof of this is what other people are making. This is what my network of friends from college are making. Um, and yeah, it just, it just empowers you all the more. Well, Catherine, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for the time and the insight. The story is a powerful one and all the work you're doing. Um, is tremendous. So, you know, I would really encourage anyone listening, um, if they're all interested in the space that, that Catherine works in, or just want to, you know, connect, the pre-call was really cool. This conversation was terrific. So, you know, thank you for being a resource for all the, the current and recent student West, uh, Westing student athletes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I, yeah, I would encourage anyone listening who's interested in talking more about this to please reach out. Awesome. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you.